Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. So, no matter who we are, whether we would consider ourselves to be a planner or not, the Bible tells us that many are the plans in a man's heart. Uh, That each and every one of us, it's just our human nature, to create plans, to kind of forecast how something is going to go, how a year is going to go, how a service is going to go, how a family is going to go, how a marriage is going to go. And we make all of these plans, and I've noticed this in my own life, as well as pastoring for 18 years, that oftentimes when we are making plans, we don't see the struggle. We don't see the valleys. We only plan for the mountaintops. And out of this, I think if you live long enough, you see that sometimes our best laid plans come to pass, but sometimes they don't. And sometimes things don't go the way that we thought they would go. And sometimes uh, Christmas is not done the way that it was supposed to be done. Or sometimes a year, it just, it's 2020. And everything just kind of seems to happen. None of it according to plan. And when we set these plans and it doesn't happen in our lives, oftentimes we set up our heart for disappointment. And on the low end of the disappointment scale, you have disruption. Like even for us, church was disrupted this year. Uh, For months, no one could worship here. And then we're still in a season right now where many people are worshiping online. There are far more who are worshiping there than are in this room. And there's still a part of this this church, and there's still a part of what we're doing. But in this season, um, they can't make it. And I know I didn't see that happening this year, and that was a disruption. That was something that we had to get used to. That was something we had to plan around and something we had to plan for. And I'm sure many of you this year had your own disruptions of what happened this year. I I, I talked to many high school students, so this was their senior year, and they were not able to do all the, the graduation things that they had planned on doing. And I talked to athletes Uh, who high school athletes, their last year of high school athletics and many of their events got canceled and their parents weren't able to see them play in their last year of athletics because things just changed and best laid plans just got disrupted and that disruption upset us and we felt the impact of it. That's on the low end of disruption. On the heavy end of, you know, when a plan doesn't come to pass, you have absolute heartbreak. And I know um, several people, not many, thankfully, but several people who at the end of this year thought that there would be certain people around their Christmas tree who will not be around their Christmas tree this year. And I, I know of certain families who were planning on holding a baby this Christmas, and they had a miscarriage. And they didn't see that, that plan. They didn't see that forecast. They didn't see that struggle. And we go through these things in life sometimes. And as a pastor, it can be quite heartbreaking because you have your own personal things that you, you go through as a pastor and as a father and as 
you know, a, a husband, but you also walk through the heartbreak of the people in your congregation and you see their pains and you see their weakness. And one of the things that I have noticed in these times and in these, 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 these seasons like this is when we walk through heartbreak where our plan got cast aside, where our plan was disrupted, where our plan was broken, is that it's easy to ask the question, like, where is God? Where is God when we believed him? Where is God when we served him? Where is God based off the promises that he spoke to us? None of this is going according to plan. And we, we reason and try to logically figure out um, where God fits in the puzzle and where God is in the story. And as a pastor, I, I, I walk people through these seasons and I walk people through these moments. And honestly, for the whole year, for me, it's been trying to do that. Uh, even if you go back to our website and look at the message series, it's like exhausted from hurt to whole, you know, overcoming the past, walking through discouragement, like all of these types of things. And the reason why a lot of those messages resonated with people is because many of those messages were written off of conversations I was having with people. And as we approach Christmas, of course, this was all different from the way that we had it planned and all of it had to change due to certain restrictions that we had and all of those types of things. But how many of you, real quick, how many of you are thankful for our amazing production department, worship team? I mean, in the middle of having to coordinate all these things in a year like this, they just pull off sheer excellence. But as we were planning this and coming towards the end of the year, I go back for myself and I read the Christmas story. And in reading the Christmas story, which is the beginning of the greatest victory God ever won, of sending his Jesus to the, 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 to the earth to, to save us and redeem us, the beginning of the story, much like the beginning of this decade, disrupted everybody's best laid plans. When you go back and you read the Christmas story, you see a young couple, they're dating, they're not married yet. You see this young couple together and you know they have plans of what life is going to be like and where they're going to live and you know how the, the wedding's going to be and when they're going to start their family. And, and one night an angel appears to Mary and he's like, you know, all of those plans, scratch all of that. Uh, you're going to be with child. It's going to be from the Holy Spirit. You're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save the world from their sins like all of your plans are going to change and of course this sounds exciting a little scary a little unnerving but exciting all at the same time and so Mary when she hears the news she's like great be it unto me according to your word when she tells Joseph you can imagine that this is very hard to explain of I am with child I'm pregnant it's not yours it's God's like you can imagine like this would be a tough conversation he's like you know you're a great woman, but I'm out of here. Like, there's no way that's believable. He's like, I'll divorce you quietly. I'll walk away from you in this moment. This is not going according to plan. And then God has to intervene supernaturally in that story and be like, yeah, no, Joseph, she's not lying. Like, it really is for me. And, and, and this is how it's going to play out. And, and so, like, the plan kind of gets back on track. And then they, they're going to have the child. And they, they have to go back to the town that they, they were born in themselves. And as they're on their way, there it's like they have this plan of like when we get there like here's how it's going to be and and they get there and there's no room for them in the end and here you have the the savior of the world 
born in a stable. Nothing is going according to plan. Uh, the king does not come out to like bow its knee to the, the, the baby Jesus. You have shepherds who come. There's no family there. Mary's mother's not there. Joseph's mo- uh, mother's not there. There's no Kodak moment. None of this is going according to plan. All of it seems off. Uh, and in the middle of it, you're still seeing the glory of God. How many of you know that in the middle of the darkness, you can still see the glory of God? And speaking of kings not coming, the king, when he heard about Jesus, um, you know, decided to come, but not to come and worship him. He came to kill him. Like, like I, I know sometimes we skip over these stories and like it's like we tell them, but think about that. Think about the most powerful person in the world. If you're a mom here today, if you're a dad here today, think about the most powerful person in the world in a seat of government coming and saying, I want to kill your child. None of this is going according to plan, and he wants to do so so badly that they have to leave their nation, go to a foreign nation, be separated from family, not be able to see family, not be able to see friends. They're having to be locked away, tucked away, quarantined, if you will, over in a nation called Egypt while things are changing on the outside. So things are changing on the outside, and God's moving on the outside, but it's real hard to see when you're quarantined in Egypt, and and God's at work over in Israel, but it's real hard to see when I'm over here in Egypt. But in the, the middle of all this, we see God at the heart of the story. And the thing that stuck out to me was how Mary and Joseph just refused to quit on God. How many of you know a big part of life is just simply not giving up? A big part of life is to just overcome discouragement, overcome all the heartache, overcome all the pain, and in the middle of it, choose to still walk with God and be with him. And that's what Mary and Joseph did. I heard this scripture this week, and I've just been meditating on it. It's found in the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 84 and verse 5, and it says this, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, and whose heart and ways are there. Verse 6, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Now, can we go back up to verse 6 real quick? I want to point out this, who passing through the valley of Baca, and if you can just leave that on the screens for me, that would be great. The valley of Baca, like I have no idea what that is. I don't know where it is. I I don't know what it is. And so I did a little bit of research, and it finds out the valley, the low place of Baca, Baca was a type of tree. And this tree produced so much sap that it looked like, the tree was crying. Like so much sap would come out of the tree that it looked like it was weeping. And the symbolism here is you're going to walk through valleys sometimes, low places sometimes, where it gets so low that there's weeping. 
that when you uh, allow your, your mind to kind of process where you're at and the, the, the tragedy where you're at and the, the low point of where you're at, that if your mind gets so focused on that, there's weeping. I, I had lunch with a man a couple of months ago. I had not seen him in a very long time. He was one of my father's closest friends. And through a series of events, we got reconnected. And he was talking about how when my father passed away, how that impacted him. And it's interesting for me as a son to kind of process those moments when someone is telling you the same experience you had through their lens and how it impacted them. And and he was saying he came to the, the funeral service and after the funeral, he came up to my mother. And he looked at my mother and he said, when, when I saw her, I just burst into tears. My father was one of his closest friends. They would ride motorcycles all the time. And so it was just a very emotional moment. He said, I saw your mom and I just burst into tears, but she wasn't crying. And he, he said that she, she grabbed me and just hugged me. And she said, I, I'm crying. I just have no more tears left. He said, I'd never heard that phrase before of crying until there's no more tears left in you. And the Bible tells us that sometimes in our lives, we find ourselves in the valley of Baca. We find ourselves in a season of weeping. We find ourselves in a moment where nothing is going according to plan. We did not think life would go this way. We did not think I'd have to wrestle with this. I did not think I'd have to be struggling with depression. I did not think I'd be diagnosed with cancer. I always thought my kids would act better than the way that they're acting. And I'm walking through a valley of tears. And I'm walking through this and nothing is going according to plan, but I'm still walking through it. The Valley of Baca. But what the scripture is talking about is blessed is the man who finds his strength in God. Blessed is the person who finds their strength in God. See, here's the thing I've learned. that in, In the good times, that's where you enjoy God. When you're on the mountaintop and you just got the raise and you just got the promotion and you just got married and you just graduated from high school, that's where you get to enjoy God. It's, it's wonderful to have some good times. On the mountaintops, that's where you enjoy God. But you know what I found in my own life? In the good times, you enjoy God, but in the valleys, that's where you find him. In the valleys, that's where you meet him. In the valleys, that's where you discover him. When my father passed away, I I went to Africa to to go be be with a man named Christopher Alam, and he would go in Zimbabwe and Zambia and preach to thousands of people. And before each, each message, I'm back there, I'm 18 years old, and, and I'm with him. Before each message, he would get on the floor. When, when I, I say get on the floor to, to pray, I'm not talking about like knees bent before God. I'm talking like face to the ground before God. And the worship that was coming out of him, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, my prayer doesn't look like that. My worship doesn't look like that. My devotion to God doesn't look like that. So I'm watching him in this moment. And I'm like, I don't understand what he's doing, but I guess I'll get on the floor too. And then I came back and took over this church. And I got in the valley of Baca all over again. 
And I'm looking at life and nothing's going the way that I thought. I, I thought I'd come in and pastor. Everybody would love me. Every, everybody would like, whoa, man, I can tell he's been to Bible school. Like I thought it would be awesome. And, and, and instead, more than half the church left. Like, and it didn't take long either. It was like immediately we're half the size we once were. And I'm like, God, I, I thought like this was your plan. And, and I know even if it wasn't, I had a plan and I'm here and I'm in this valley. And you know what? I brought Christopher Alam in to come preach for me. And when Christopher Alam came in to preach for me, he got down on the ground and guess what? I already had a face print that had been there the last couple of months myself. I beat him to the ground because on the mountaintops, you get to enjoy God. But in the valley, that's where you find him. And sometimes it feels like you're being buried, but you know what? God's not burying us. God is planting us. And when you're planted, it looks like everything in life is treading on you. When you're planted, it looks like everything in life is happening around you. It looks like everybody's forgotten you. It looks like no one has seen your pain. No one has seen your hurt. But when you're planted, how many of you know, something is going on on the inside. Things are beginning to come out of you. Things are beginning to go deep in you. Things are going deep into the ground. And the seed, it's got to grow down before it breaks out. And I really feel like in this decade, we're getting ready for the greatest breakout this world has ever seen. That God's glory and God's majesty and God's power in our lives, our churches and our families is going to be greater than it's ever been before. But you know what? In order to break out, you got to grow deep. And I believe what we're doing in this season as a church and what we're doing in this season as believers and families It's in the valley of weeping. We're turning it into a well. See, in a valley of weeping, something is being, you know, falling down. In a valley of weeping, the tears are falling down. In a valley of weeping, life is falling down. But it says when you've learned how to not get your strength from all the good times, when you've learned to not get your strength from the promotion, but when you've learned that God is your strength, instead of something falling down in the valley of weeping, something begins to be pulled up. Praise begins to be pulled up. Life begins to be pulled up. Faith begins to be pulled up. And in the valley of weeping, he says, if you can learn how to pull something up out of you, get some praise up out of you, get some prayer up out of you, get some rejoicing up out of you, that if you can turn weeping into a well, you will see God take you to Zion. And church, I want to encourage you this year. I want to encourage wherever you're at. That I know that some of us found ourselves in a valley of weeping this year. I know some of our best laid plans, just they didn't happen. I I know for some of you, your heart has been discouraged. But I want to tell you today, God is fighting for you. He is pushing back the darkness. And if you can find your strength and faith in God, you'll see God hadn't forgotten you. You weren't buried this year. You were planted this year. God got some things out of you this year. God did a work in you this year. And now that God has done something in you, you're about to see God do something for you. Oh, how many of you believe it, church? How many of you believe it? That we're going to find God this year. We're going to come and worship Him on our knees and make our worship deeper. Make our rejoicing stronger. Make our prayers be more filled with faith. Because even though for Mary and Joseph, 
All of those plans fell through. They found themselves quarantined in Egypt in a valley of Baca. They one day found themselves carrying the Savior of the world. And even Jesus at the end of his life went through a season where it looks like he was buried. Satan thought it was over. Satan thought Jesus will never come out of this. There's no way he can rise above this. There's no way the story continues after this. He thought he had buried Jesus. Little did he know he had planted Jesus. And when Jesus came out of that tomb, he didn't just come out for himself. He came out with every single one of us. And I want to encourage you in your life today. God is fighting for you. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on what God has promised you. Don't give up on what God can do in this decade. Don't give up on what God can do even at the end of this year. Don't give up on God. Let your praise come out of this valley. Instead of something falling down, have something rise up in you. And I'm telling you, you're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you, church, all over this room. You can just bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here today watching online or in the service, and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe this year you want to rededicate your life. Maybe this year you're here and it's like, I, I want to give God my heart. I want to, I want to give God my affections and devotion. Maybe you're watching online and it has been a tough year for you. The difference between being buried and being planted is when you're buried, nothing comes out of you. But when you're planted, something comes out. Maybe you're here in this room. Maybe you're watching online. It's like, I'm ready for something to come out of me. I'm ready to break out of this pain. I'm ready to break out of this depression. I'm ready to break out of this place. I'm ready to break out of this sin. I'm ready to overcome this addiction. I'm so thankful for your heart. But God comes and he says to us, give me your surrender. Don't try to change it alone. Give yourself to me. And if you're here today and you want to give God that, if you're watching online, you want to give God that. I want to ask you right now, this is all I'm going to ask you to do. If that's you, would you lift your hand up all over this room? If you're watching there at home in your living room, if you're listening to this on your car, to keep one hand on the steering wheel. You can lift up the other one and surrender to Jesus. Hands going up all over the world. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Everyone here, repeat this after me. You can just repeat it after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you are fighting for me. I believe you are pushing back the darkness. I believe I'm not buried, I'm planted. And Father, I thank you that my sins are washed away. All the pain, you're giving me beauty for those ashes, joy for my mourning, and a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Jesus, I give you my pain. I give you my hurts. But Father, in the middle of this, I also give you my praise. And I thank you, Lord. You are not leaving me where you have found me. I'm getting ready to get into the best season of my life that what the enemy stole
God is redeeming it and making it better than it's ever been. Jesus, you are fighting for me. Jesus, you are pushing back the darkness. Heavenly Father, the rest of my life is going to be the best of my life because of Jesus. And today, Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory for a God who is fighting for us in Jesus' name. Oh, come on, we're alive. All over this room, let's stand our feet and celebrate everybody who made a decision. We're going to sing out a song today that just backs up everything we preach. I want to invite you to sing along with us. How do you believe God is fighting for us? Oh, come on. How many of you believe God is pushing back the darkness? How many of you believe that in the name of Jesus, 